Omaha Bugle Global News Headquarters, this is the Global News Network with Senior Correspondent Jeff Weaver and Senior Correspondent Adam Von Romer. Weaver. Here we are at another afternoon at the news desk of the Omaha Bugle Global News Network. And Mr. Weaver, I have one sentence for you. Balloons are not just for children's parties anymore. Well, apparently not. The Chinese really take balloons seriously because apparently they have balloons the size of three school buses lined end to end. They float around. And I'm thinking, wouldn't that be impressive to take to a children's party, a balloon that size? That's what I'm saying. Can you imagine the absolute sheer joy that your kids would have had if you had a balloon in the backyard capable of lifting three school buses to 60,000 feet? You know, what is that, the stratosphere? Yeah, I think that's somewhere in that never, never land between atmosphere and outer space. But, you know, Adam, the thing that occurred to me was this whole Chinese spy balloon thing, they really could avoid the whole problem had they just had something like Happy Birthday Joey on the big balloon and just act like it's some kid's party that the balloon kind of went awry and no problem, no error, no foul. Well, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking that if somebody had taken the balloon and made like a sausage dog out of it, like Mm -hmm. they do at the carnivals. Oh, yeah. Everybody just be amazing. Look at that. That's amazing. Never mind that big box with the solar panels on the bottom, but look at that giant wiener dog. <laughs> I think that'd be incredible. I like the happy birthday, Joey. That's a good idea, too. They camouflaged it like that. Now, a couple of things that, Jeff, I just had to do a little reading on this because I thought this is like so far out, so wild. It's just baffling to me. And, yeah, I'm sniffing around here, and I find out that after the Montgolfier brothers invented the first hot air balloon, balloons were used right up through World War II for military purposes. You know, spy on troop movements, etc. And, of course, nobody can forget the airship era and the little boo-boo that happened to the Hindenburg. But it seems that balloons had, in the past, great deal of utility in the military in particular and it's fascinating but they still launch weather balloons today like we said earlier it's not like it's just for a kid's birthday party anymore there's some significant utility to them the other thing i thought was interesting was one of the reasons why the chinese favored balloons is because they have a minimal radar signature mm-hmm. i mean virtually I, undetectable which- Which I found interesting, which I guess must be due to the fabric that the balloon is made of, right? It's not metallic, so the radar signals perhaps don't detect it the same way that they would if it was a big metal balloon. But, of course, metal balloons probably wouldn't float too well. Well, I think what they're getting is they're getting the signature from the payload. I mean, you take a three-school bus-sized payload into low-Earth orbit or whatever that actually is, and somebody's going to see it somewhere. I think it's funny that all the people on the ground were spotting it going, hey, what the heck is that? The other thing was, I've got a kind of a, you know, almost kind of a, I don't know how to characterize this, but like a chicken bone in my throat that the balloon wasn't shot down six or so days prior because they wanted it to be over a non-populated area, something with less population than, say, the Canadian tundra. 
What about the Pacific Ocean? There's not really too many people living out there in the middle of the Pacific Ocean if, after it passed over Alaska. Yeah. Just a thought. Well, I mean, what were they? It had to come in, what, over the straits? I saw some different patterns that they were showing, having different articles about the predicted path. And, and I guess it's not mm -hmm. totally clear that there's unanimous agreement, but it looks like the one that was published in USA Today, they probably have their own spy balloons all over the country, uh, too, is it showed it <laughs> kind of, this one, Adam, showed it coming across the Bering Sea, which uh, for those of our listeners who never studied geography is to the west of the Alaskan coastline, and uh, kind of cutting, mm -hmm. cutting across the northern third of Alaska, going down British Columbia. So I guess my thought about shooting it down over the Pacific Ocean after passing Alaska wouldn't have worked because it didn't apparently go over the ocean. And then it apparently curved around Montana. What a coincidence, since we have a few missiles there. And then it cut kind of like in a curve across the middle of the country and then got shot down after it had collected all the data it could collect. So quite the success for us. Well, you know, I, and we've talked about our friends over in China and their duplicity, shall we say. <laughs> and you know, their first first thing I read was that oh, it's a weather balloon that got blown off course. Yeah, you know, then there was the indignation about us shooting it down. And you know, I'm reading an article that says not only was it not a weather balloon, but it was also set up in such a fashion that you could actually fly it. It's not static. It didn't just go up and float. They had the capability to maneuver this thing, and they said, if you understand the air currents at that altitude, you can fly one of those puppies just about anywhere you want to go, just by you know, raising and lowering the balloon, which I would imagine simply a function of how much helium you have in the nacelle. Ooh. And, um, Sounds kind of dirty, actually. Yeah. But... but, you know, you raise and lower it. Now, the other thing I found was this was not the only incidence of a foreign power basically flying a balloon over the United States. The actual only World War II casualties to occur on American soil actually happened, I want to say, in Oregon. The Japanese had flown a, believe it or not, paper balloon that was rigged to drop weights at night and float up at, at, during the day. They apparently launched a bunch of them. And they were designed to drop bombs predetermined times. And they actually literally flew over the, the West Coast and they delivered a payload. I don't know if they delivered the payload as expected because I remember or recall that there were some issues with where it was. And, you know, of course, I don't think that meteorological jet stream identification and tracking had reached the zenith that it has today. But... You know, again, we've had it before, and it's it's kind of a funny thing. Now, they flew this thing over. The first thing they said is, that, well, they don't have any control over it. It got blown off course. But we now find out that they can actually maneuver it just about anywhere they want. They get up in the right jet stream at the right altitude, and they can take that baby just about anywhere. And they took it right off the East Coast. The other thing we talked about earlier was it has no signature or very little signature. The one that concerns me, though, is the payload. Mm-hmm. They're floating above the sovereign nation of America. Right. We had no clue what that thing was stuffed full of. And I shudder to say this because I know I'm, I'm going to get pilloried for this, but you remember that little viral outbreak we had a little while ago? Yes. 
I think all, almost all of us caught it in one form or another. Some of us caught it more than once. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, what happens if these yahoos decide to put a biological payload in that thing and just do a little sprinkling on the way over? What are we in for, you know? Well, it does kind of make you wonder what we're spending three quarters of a trillion dollars on our defense budget for when a thing moving as slow as a balloon is able to make its way across. And it bothers me that if they sighted it in Alaska, why didn't they force it down, shoot it down, whatever, back then, instead of coming mm -hmm. up with this excuse after the fact, well, we didn't want to hit anybody, which, as you point out, there's only about three people in the, some of those areas per square mile that the balloon was floating <laughs> over. I had also if, read... If that. It, yeah, if that. And, you know, the other thing is I had also seen reports about the fact that they might, they mean the U.S. Defense Department or the military might have the ability to separate the instruments from the balloon. I mean, it's more fun to shoot it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's much more interesting video. And the pilots love to shoot things down because they don't get to do it too often. But, you know, I'm thinking... Well, can you imagine the party we... back at the barracks that night, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, who gets to shoot a balloon down? I mean, it's, and it doesn't shoot back, so that's even better. So that was the thing that really bothers me because if you want to deter this, just start shooting the damn things down shoot them down over international waters. Although that would, we'd have less of a pretext for that, even though everybody knows where the balloons are headed for. You know what occurred to me, Adam, yeah. is the way they should have handled, handled this thing was they should have, when the balloon got spotted, some 12-year-old in China, they should have put on TV and said, Han is very sorry that his balloon kit went off course has been working on this balloon for several years now, and he apologizes to anybody who may have been injured by his blood, you know, kind of like a, a kit he put together. And, you know, have the little kid take the fall for it. I mean, there are a lot well, of people you know in this what? country would have believed that. Well, you know what? I'm thinking Heath Kit, you know, maybe they've got something Absolutely. like the Heath Kit over there. Absolutely. Get, uh, a radio yeah. shack. You could go in and buy the parts and put the thing together yourself with your dad in the backyard and yeah. off yeah. you go. I mean, I think that's certainly something to consider because, you know, if the kid looks sincere and he's got his mother glaring at him there, maybe slapping him once. For being, oh, yeah. I mean, I might believe that, too. I'd say uh, I think I'd like to hire that kid to, you know, work for me, you know, if he's that entrepreneurial. But, you know, what bothers me is this whole thing of just waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, if it had been reversed, they would have shot it down and then made a big deal about oh, it. Absolutely. See, well, you know what I was thinking? They would not only shot it down, but they would have grabbed an American somewhere and arrested them for being involved in espionage via the balloon over Chinese territory. You know, oh, so yeah, we'd have another, we'd have well, another, another hostage to trade. Well, you know, Adam, Adam, Adam that, that I think is their uh, sanctimonious, duplicitous reaction to all of this. It kind of gets back to what I would call their lone wolf mentality in the international arena. They really don't have any allies. They have people they've made loans to, but it's not like anybody really likes them. They've got territorial issues with most of the mm -hmm. countries that order them or issues with territorial waters with the Philippines, for example, Japan, and so forth. So it's just, uh, the long and the short of it is they don't really have strong allies. I don't think anybody would consider Russia their ally except in name because they really don't help Russia with anything. Certainly they haven't done anything in Ukraine, which is good. But I think it's just they constantly take this ridiculous maximum position of overreacting this hyper-nationalism that everybody just, most people, I think, see it for what it is. And there's some people who are too stupid to figure this out. But 
just basically is over and over again. Them not doing any wrong, everybody else being horrible to them and infringing on them or trying to contain them. And there is to some degree, I think, an argument that we are trying to contain them. You know, we have regional alliances that have been <laughs> set up. Well, you know, and these countries want them to be contained because they're the ones that would be affected, whether it's Australia, whether it's uh, Vietnam, you know, anybody on the borders. And of course, India, India doesn't like them at all. I think we have India in a different alliance of sorts. I don't think it's a military alliance, but I think it's some sort of mutual, well, I don't know, it's a, some type of mutual assistance alliance, I, I believe. But that, I think, just kind of gets into how they react and how they can do no wrong and everybody else is out to get them and so forth. And they just have an incredibility when this stuff happens. So I'm not surprised with their reaction. I think that the hyper-nationalism I get, I think you're absolutely correct with the containment because, let's face it, if I'm not completely mistaken, the Indians and the Chinese just had a actual shooting border skirmish, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm thinking that, why would that happen? Well, it's probably because the Chinese are trying to encroach into India. But let's yeah. face it, when was the last time you heard of India going out and starting anything? Right. You know? Well, unless, unless Pakistan's involved, I mean, there there may be that. But yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Really, the Chinese encroaching, pushing, 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 and mm -hmm. you know, you see that. You know, the interesting thing too, which I'm getting a little off point, but then it brings into mind Taiwan, which they call a breakaway province. And of right. course, the Chinese Communist Party has never had any political rule over Taiwan because. It was just not, you know, once the nationalists fled after the Chinese Civil War and set up government, Taiwan, then Formosa, you know, they, they declared their independence. Of course, China doesn't like that. But anyways, I think that uh, they just take a tack, which is really unhelpful and obviously doesn't get them any points in the international arena or, in mm. my opinion, the court of public opinion. Well, you know, the thing that I find kind of interesting is now, according to what I've heard, there's another one cooking across, I think, South America. Yes, sir, I think so. I hope they shoot it down. I'm sure somebody has a jet to, that they could scramble, like the Brazilians or the Argentinians, to shoot it down. Mm -hmm. And I haven't heard any talk of that happening, which sort of surprises me, because I would have thought that a country would have wanted to do that. But they may have, well, and, they may know, have economic relations with China, and they may be saying, well, we're not going to jeopardize our loans or whatever with the Chinese. Well, you know what? It's kind of one of those things where it's like, let me, let me see if I understand this. It's almost a universally known fact that it was not a weather balloon. It's almost universally known and accepted that it was a spy balloon. It's mm -hmm. almost universally known and accepted that its sole function was to fly over areas of strategic military importance mm -hmm. and gather intel. Of course. And we're hearing that, you know, oh, no, it was an accident, it was a weather balloon, etc. As you pointed out earlier, if we had done the same thing, I mean, they'd be all over the news. And, you know, UN and we're invading their sovereign airspace and blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the day, how long can the global community accept this kind of almost shenanigans. As you pointed out, this almost isolationist, them against the world kind of attitude. And I understand they've had as many as five of them up recently in different places. Mm -hmm. I think they've got a large scale program that 
we're sort of just beginning to find out, at least from what's been publicly released. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, it seems like we're surprised by it. And that sort of concerns me with all the satellites we have and all the other surveillance tools we have, because I am pretty sure we have satellites over China pretty much all the time. I don't Not see how there's a surprise. Into. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. It, I, it makes I, I don't buy that. And if it is a surprise, there's a lot of heads that should be rolling at the Pentagon because we are wasting a lot of money if they can't even do a rudimentary delineated detection of a balloon. Notwithstanding that it may not show up yep. on radar, but wouldn't a satellite pick up this blob in a picture? <laughs> I, well, considering there are satellites up there that I am aware of that you can actually read, like, for example, somebody's newspaper. Uh, mm -hmm. I think you'd have the capacity to find a weather balloon in, you know, whatever the upper atmosphere. And, you know, the other thing that kind of dovetail on your concerns, the military and finding this thing is, what if the payload was not benign, like we talked about earlier? Right. You know, what if it right. was something like, you know, a biological issue? The other thing that they were speculating was it could have been a nuclear EMP designed mm -hmm. to pretty much take out the grid. Okay, so you got a, a, essentially a nuclear weapon detonated in the upper atmosphere expressly for the purpose of wiping out the American electrical grid. And anything that has a circuit in it that is not properly hardened against that that type of electromagnetic pulse. Well, I think, Adam, the that's other part one that of the I problem. Found surprising in my reading. What I was going to say is you can protect your grid or minimize the possibility of that, but that's not one of those things that's typically high up on the budget with utilities and so forth. They're more about building additional plants, proving the lines between plants, replacing stuff, but hardening to protect against a, that type of electromagnetic, basically a device well, it's is weaponry. designed to... It's weaponry. Yeah, yeah. And I'm it's sure just weaponry, Jeff. It's a magnetic weapon. Right, it's a magnetic weapon, and it's also something that I could see the head of the people who run FPNL, Big Florida Utility, for example, just saying, well... This is a defense thing. It's a military thing. We're here to build power plant and do things on the ground that we do. We can't worry about this because it's extremely expensive to harden an electric facility, much less a whole grid, which, you know, mm -hmm. probably be just probably hundreds of billions of dollars. Although we, we don't worry so much about spending hundreds of billions of mm -hmm. dollars, but I don't think anybody's planning to harden the electric grid. And then one other thing, as you and I have talked about in other shows, our grid really isn't even significantly, our grid does not have the capability to support existing demands in much of the country and is going to become more and more mm -hmm. insufficient as more electric cars come out. So it's of concern to me. I'm sure it's very vulnerable, and you're absolutely right, Adam. Biological weapon or just a straight nuclear weapon, you know, Mm -hmm. But I think they would rather knock out the grid than blow up a city because they would obviously expect we'd nuke them uh, for blowing up the city. I don't know how we would react to the uh, blowing up or shorting out of the grid by uh, that type of weapon. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that contemporaneously with this news information, FPL just released a essentially a press release that stated that they have or are in the process of getting approval for hardening the electrical grid against storm. 
and mm-hmm. they're graciously going to share that cost with all of the consumers. So you can expect your power bill to go up about 40 bucks a month to help harden the electrical grid against hurricanes. I guess the, well, of course, hurricanes is one thing, but if you have a device that's generating intense electromagnetic pulses, I suspect that what they're doing to protect against hurricanes isn't going to stop the, unless it's lead or something, which I kind of doubt <laughs> that it is, it's probably not going to stop those rays from penetrating and still doing a lot of damage. It would be great if it did, but I suspect that it won't, unfortunately. Yep. And Well, now so, the other thing that quickly that came to my mind in my research, or not even research, but my casual reading was, what are we doing as a country? And it turns out that the United States is playing with balloons as well. And our, I guess, take on it, and I can't remember the name they used for it, but basically what it is is you say send up a payload of essentially suicide drones. They're loaded with mm-hmm. explosives. They drop the drones over, I guess, a combat field or whatever, and they let the little drones do whatever the drones do until they explode. Okay, so we yeah. had something that had that capability floating around for six days? Right, right. Well, you know, unfortunately, I think the problem is it creates a precedent where perception's a big part of power you wield. You know, people think you're a stronger country willing to use force. They act in one way toward you. If they think you're not going to use force, even if you may be a strong country militarily, they'll act in another way. They'll probe and push and dare you to respond. And unfortunately, they I think they perceive the current administration as one that is not going to respond quickly to these types of things. These aren't overt threats. You know, it's not like they're trying to invade Hawaii or whatever, but they are encroachments on sovereignty. Some people liken it to just the Chinese want to test us. So my view is mm-hmm. we just start shooting down everything, you know, when it just gets over the territorial waters and or, mm-hmm. or forcing them down and taking the equipment mm-hmm. and going through it and seeing what it comes up with. Yeah, yeah. Well, so effectively what you're saying is you think this is just China playing nanny nanny boo boo with their balloon. Well, I, I think it's China doing that, but it has that additional perk, not only of intelligence gathering, but of sticking a finger in the proverbial eye of the United States. And, and really, when you're right down to Joe Biden and betting he won't do anything. And uh, well, that's, <laughs> Jeff, that's a topic for another show. Yes, Definitely probably. I think we I think we're going to have some fun with that one when we talk a little bit about the State of the Union address. Jeff, we have reached the top of this particular show. So I'm going to say adieu. And you know, from the Global News Network, it's Adam Von Romer and senior correspondent Jeff Wee. See you in the next session. Thank you.